Hello, welcome to this week's Pinkin.com Norwich City podcast. And remember last week when we were wondering about how many goals Norwich would concede at Leicester? Well, they've only gone and drawn 1-1, thwarting the Premier League's most informed team superbly. A very, very good away day point. And welcome to our latest journey home. We are in a McDonald's near Kings Lynn, which is a... Not too bad, considering some of the uh, places that we've recorded, but uh, I apologise if the music's a little bit loud. I am Dave Freezer. I'm joined by Paddy Davitt, Connor Southwell, and Tony Thrussell is back from his two-year sabbatical in Australia. <laughs> so, Tony, you, how many games did you miss? You missed four games. Four, four wonderful games I managed to miss. And, and uh, I'm, you, I'm already planning the next... <laughs> Four games stint away. <laughs> you know, Dave, he announced today he wants to miss Preston. He's got some soiree he's got to go to for Preston. Yeah. And then he wants to uh, go somewhere in the uh, February break. He's getting paid too much. You are having a laugh. You're not missing Preston. Well, I mean, once I've moved into a house, I'm sure these soirees will stop. <laughs> I've got to make the most of it while I can. <laughs> we're, put, we're putting you in the boot whether you like I it mean, or not. I mean, just to put things into perspective, we're sitting in a McDonald's, I'm drinking a banana milkshake, Connor's drinking a straw chocolate, chocolate milkshake. Get it right. Dave's got a tea and Paddy's got a water. I mean, what? how better, how, how better could it get? What does that say yeah, about that our personalities? Sense? How much better could it get? You're not feeling very well. You maybe let the listeners know that. Yeah. So your you us- might, usual ramblings will be even more you delirious. You might hear a little bit of allergy. So these guys, I think, will be off this week. <laughs> Aussie, Aussie flu, I think. It's, uh, yeah, that's what I mean, they call that. You, when you're on a plane filled with 300 people, mm. circulation of airflow kids crying people coughing I'm going to cut you off there Tony because I'm bored but um, <laughs> let's get on let's get on to the football what a uh, what a fine result for Norwich uh, drawing 1-1 Timu Pukki getting his ninth goal of the season and the results have all gone nicely as well for Norwich uh, Watford lost at Liverpool Aston Villa lost at Sheffield United and Southampton lost at home to West Ham in the late kickoff as well so all in all it's been a pretty decent away day isn't it Pat? Uh, excellent as you rightly say Dave can't what, what is not, what is up now, Tony? Cheers. 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 Oh, cheers. You're raising your banana milkshake to a 1-1. I think he's still got jet lag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was. Yeah, yeah. Probably we should be toasting with something a bit heavier than banana milkshake because, um, I mean, Daniel Farker, first question uh, in his post-match, his answer was basically, I think I'd have to listen back to the quotes again, but I think it was something like he felt that was the best result of the season. Which, given they beat Man City, says it all. But then he went on to elaborate and, and explained, as you touched on at the start, DF, that a team second in the table, eight wins on the spin in the Premier League is phenomenal. Jamie Vardy banging him in left, right, centre. James Madison, we all know about pulling the strings. Very solid defensively. What excellent keeper in Cashman Michael. And then there's Norwich, you know, 19th in the table, four points adrift before the kickoff. Uh, and off the back of two dispiriting defeats to Southampton and Sheffield United. Let's be honest, even the most optimistic Norwich fan who travelled here today, and there was a lot of them, 3,200 I think, in that away end, packed it was, hat tip to them, and uh, I'd say the majority of them travelled in hope rather than expectation. Yeah, and good news listeners, we don't need to talk to you too much about VAR, although there were uh, a couple of incidents, but they didn't have too much impact on the game. Uh, Connor, overall, uh, clearly a very good point away to Leicester. What, what do you think it is that Norwich got right today to earn that point? Uh Defensively, I thought they were they were brilliant um, in in terms of how compact their shape was. In in, in terms of their shape generally, it, it was pretty good. It was pretty much fairly simplistic in terms of two banks of four. Um, both of those banks were, were pretty close together, and they condensed the space that 
Madison and, and Tielemans would have to operate in and by doing that they cut off the, the supply line to Jamie Vardy and okay he got in a couple of times but um, beyond that I, I thought they did a, a really good job uh, wide areas nice and solid I, I felt the wingers were, were working in tandem with the full backs really well um, and then one on one defending I, I have to mention Sam Byram in that because I thought he was immense today in, in terms of how he defended individually immense um, like it I just thought they, they were very good off the ball um, and uh, it's not been too many times I've been able to say that in fact I think last week I said I might need a blindfold for this one or that, that, blind, that blindfold stayed in the pocket basically. let's pretend we didn't say anything about this game last week <laughs> we, we predicted it Jordan we? <laughs> yeah I'm pretty sure <laughs> but, but no I, I think you've got to be pleased with that judging by or, or given the performances as, as Paddy said that, that have come before it that, that, and we've been here before in terms of saying that that's a result they need to build off but it felt to me today like there were two halves that were fairly symmetrical and fairly joined up, which is nice to say after after the the run of games we've had. But yeah, to, to go to a team who are um, one of the the most informed teams in the league, who uh, before today I think the, in the last eight games the aggregate score is something like twenty five three or something. So yeah, tr- tremendous result. I, I certainly didn't see it coming, but in the end, you have to say it was well deserved. And perhaps if uh, on on another day they would have nicked three. Yeah, I was really enjoying when the sort of jazz piano version of uh, that Christmas song was <laughs> was behind you there. Uh, it complimented the dulcet tones, <laughs> it didn't did. it? Which is, we're, uh, we're getting Con- in a festive mood. Connor said immense. Immense? Immense. I was going to say immense pie, just to throw in the <laughs> Christmas theme. Oh, yeah. Can he go back to Australia? <laughs> I don't, that's all I'm going to do in this podcast is just Excellent. throw really bad... Christmas things in, and that's fine with me. Uh, in, in terms of the football, though, uh, you you missed what, uh, the win at Everton, the yes. home draw of Arsenal, yes. and then the two one defeats to Sheffield United and Southampton. Yes. So, as you return sort of to the Canaries world, how do you sort of rate their survival prospects as things stand? Well, it's they're just clinging on to the teams above them. So it's, I mean, I said earlier, no one really wins two in a row down at the bottom. So as long as they can pick up a win, sort of every four games. They're going to be in the mix until the end of the season, aren't they? Uh, but the key one is Villa, Boxing Day, and then you'd probably look at the Palace game. That's at home, isn't it? Yeah. So you look at those two, if they can get four points from them, then hopefully they'll be looking up. Absolutely. And they were saying on the radio on when we were driving down that Villa have got a run of fixtures against what Norwich Southampton, haven't they? So they've got a, uh, a real crunch time of the season. So this was match week 17, wasn't it? So we're getting close to that halfway point. And the one thing, although there's there's been no points along the way, and it hasn't been... Well, it's been difficult. It's been very difficult at points for Norwich, is that they are still very much in and swinging. That, you know, they have got... It is well within their grasp to stay, to stay in the division if they could just just hit a bit of form. And like you say, back-to-back wins are so rare, and they probably should have got it by beating Arsenal after Everton. Um, Daniel Farker makes two, two changes for this one. Emmy Buende, uh, sorry, Todd Campwell and Tom Tribal come in for Mario Vrancic and Onel Hernandez. That generally seemed to have worked. Um, Daniel did sort of preempt the game at his presser though saying that they have been able to play better against the better teams not the teams who don't he didn't, he didn't say part of the bus but the more defensive teams um, and we've kind of seen that again today haven't we so I guess we can hold out a bit of hope for the, for the Wolves game next Saturday that it's probably going to be fairly similar to today but what we've now learned from nearly halfway through the season is that they're going to have to find almost a different way of playing against those teams who want to play defensively against them yeah I mean for me though I think it what we again have seen today 
on top of Bournemouth, on top of the Man City game, is that Norwich's best Premier League periods are almost when they're uh, the reverse of what they were in the Championship, which is heavily possession-based, dominating territory, pushing opponents back, and just this relentless chance creation after chance creation, and then you've got a man at the top end of the pitch who knows where the back of the net is. These these positive links in the Premier League chain, Norwich are having to counter teams and basically say, you have the ball, you have the majority of the territory in possession, um, and we'll, we'll soak up what pressure there is, and then we have the pace, we have the ability of a Buendia as we saw for the first goal to, to pick a pass and execute it perfectly and then Timu Puki does what Timu Puki does so I'm actually probably to, to a degree a little bit more concerned about Wolves because I think Wolves are a counter-attacking team as well so I don't quite know how you allow Wolves to have possession if they they will turn up at Carrow Road next weekend expecting Norwich to dominate um, I'll be far happier to see Wolves have more of the ball and then Norwich look to counter but of course, the difference there is at Car Road, they do need to be a bit more aggressive and, and proactive. So, as we said, just on the first part of the journey home, that they need to get it going at Car Road. It looks to me like they now have a template that could potentially work on the road and pick up points routinely. But Car Road this season has been, you know, maybe Newcastle aside and, and spells against Chelsea. I, I don't think they've been they've been at it enough. And, um, <laughs> And if they're going to do anything in terms of staying up this season, they have to turn that around and they have to be far more better at home to impose themselves on teams. So, yeah, it's a difficult one, but that's the next bridge for me. I think we've now definitively, again, seen today, if you can go to Leicester and put on that performance, deserving to get a point, could have had more, then there's something to work with. But what we haven't seen, unfortunately, is at Carrow Road the same kind of positivity and encouragement. Yeah, Pat's mentioned it there. Uh, Emmy Buendia's through balls today, they were right back to their best, weren't they? And the, and the goal, um, it, well, it was a beautiful pass, really, wasn't it? And do you think he's... I think we saw some petulance from him again today. Didn't we? He, got, he got booked for punching the ball away because he was frustrated with a decision. But I think his overall play, he does seem to have learned some lessons, doesn't he? Yeah, seems a lot more disciplined. Certainly, there, there were numerous times where I, I turned to Pat and say that he's actually tracking back, which makes a difference. Lost the ball, and, and it wasn't. I'd throw the arms up in the air and uh, walk five yards before sort of uh, jogging back. It, it was a real de- determination to get back and, and help his uh, help his fullback, and I think that helped Max Aaron's as much as it did Emmy Buendia. But what, what I would add to, to Paddy's point there, I think today we we saw an example of Norwich using the ball a lot better as well. I think for that first goal. Uh, it was Tribal's reverse pass into Buendia but there, there were numerous times where they actually played through Leicester and it, and it wasn't just as, as we've seen in recent weeks just a, a clip ball into the channel to try and move them up the pitch to release some pressure so it, it was nice to see and, and it equally lends itself to, to what we were saying I don't think Leicester pressed them with the same intensity that we've seen other teams doing in recent weeks they allowed them to, to sort of shift the ball out from the back but they got the midfielders more involved and, and talk about Emi Buendia's improved performance he got the ball in better areas and, and that makes such a big difference for him because actually if he, if he receives the ball in, in tight areas he can play out of them but you don't really want him to play out of them in, in his right back area you, you want him to try and influence things on the on the attack and they, they certainly got him in better positions uh, as, as we saw for that first goal and, and Puki as well when when he is provided with that sort of service he, he doesn't usually uh, miss that many so um, really good first goal um, and yeah, a really good performance in possession. They, they didn't have a lot of it, they had to sacrifice it, but they were intelligent when they did have it, I think, and, and you've got to praise them for that. Coming up against James Madison, of course, for the first time as well since his big money exit, uh, what, 18 months ago. Uh, he had a 
feisty few moments, didn't he, where Alex Tetty had caught him a little bit in the face and, and went down as if he'd been shot, which, you know, if he was in a Norwich shirt, you'd have been quite happy with. But given he was against his sort of old mates, it was quite surprising. And then he charged into a tackle where he caught Alex Tetty, not too much, but a bit of a high foot, um, and closed him down sort of quite angrily. Um, so that was a bit strange. But in general, the Norwich fans, uh, the Norwich players were... Uh, greeting him very warmly, weren't they? And he had a, a nice moment with the away fans. What, what did you make of his performance overall, Tony? Um, I mean, he he was probably more lively in the first half, but I wouldn't say he was standout at all. <clears throat> I'd say the standout for me was Leicester's... I, I don't know how you pronounce his name, the centre-back. So, just call him Soyuncu. Soyuncu. He was the standout for me. I mean, some of the last-ditch get-backs... Um, on Pookie were pretty incredible um, but yeah Madison uh, I mean I think that's actually the first time I've seen him in the flesh and yeah he didn't stand out to me but it's clear that he's got quality the balls he was putting in the box and uh, I mean the first 10 minutes I was kind of watching him closely and even without the ball he's constantly looking around checking the next move so I mean he's he's future England star for sure isn't he um, arse pad I'm <laughs> I'm not really with it right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will come to you, Pat, because you, you went uh, up to Leicester midweek as well to have a chat with uh, young Mr. Madison, didn't you? And, uh, yeah, his set pieces were were very good uh, on the whole. But And, and Soyonchu, yeah, um, you, uh, our listeners may well remember Jake Watson, who uh, used to be our colleague uh, when Mustard TV was running, he used to work closely with, uh, with us, Michael Bailey, Darren Eady, when we used to have our sort of Norwich City fanzine, when that was still in existence, sadly no more more uh, and he's a big Leicester City fan and did our opposition view in the pink and today and he a- absolutely raved about Soyuncu and essentially the Leicester fans don't seem too worried that Harry Maguire's gone because he's filled his boots but yeah Matters uh, you had a chat with him um, h- how did that go and yeah h- how big of a star do you see him being in the future? Well I mean he's, he's almost there now he's, he's firmly in, in the mix at the top end of the Premier League rightfully so because he's got that quality Tony alludes to and he's now an England international so he can go as far as as he wants really it's all about the attitude now you know he's got the ability um, but does he really want it and and yeah I think he probably does I don't think I didn't get any sense I had a good good sit down with him earlier in the week at Leicester's training ground and you didn't get a sense of a, a guy who thinks he's made it and is resting on his laurels I mean he, he knows that Potentially, he could be in the Champions League next season if Leicester maintain where they are. Entirely plausible. I think you look at the gap to the fifth place team now in terms of points, and that's a handsome gap at this stage. And of course, at the end of the season, he could be playing in an England squad on a home soil in the European Championships. You know, his career is just going up and up and up. And uh, I think most Norwich fans, as referenced by the reception he got the final whistle, would, would love to see that because they'll, they'll derive a lot of pride that. As he himself touched on when I spoke to him, he feels Norwich was really the, the, the season where he, he became a man when he was a boy, you know, just potential and, and talent, but not consistently influencing games at a reasonably good level in the Championship. Um, and, of course, got his big money move and has not looked back. So, uh, yeah, today I think Norwich did a good job on him, but, you know, it was his cross for Jamie Vardy to head past Cruel, albeit the goal was credited to Tim Cruel. So, you know, even when he's not maybe... Um, overly uh, influencing a game he still has that sheer quality on a dead ball to you know make an assist or, or score a goal um, but yeah it was. I, I think for me that's probably the perfect result really that uh, you know he didn't 
he didn't really come back to haunt them too much, but um, but still showed his quality and uh, yeah, he's rec- he's Norwich's record buy for a reason, and I think possibly not this season. I mean, I see Brendan Rodgers in the build-up saying nobody will get, be getting sold in January, but the reality is there'll be big big clubs looking at him now, and um, and if he does move on, then Norwich are going to get a nice little uh, kickback from uh, the the sell-on clause negotiated in that deal and. Uh, as Stuart Weber said, his sale averted financial disaster. So Norwich, as a club and their fan base, have a lot to thank James Madison for. Absolutely. Um, VAR, uh, that was midway through the first half and Madison um, sort of diffused it a, a little bit in the end. But uh, essentially, Emmy Buendia had been uh, fouled by Ben Chilwell. Well, the Norwich fans certainly saw it as that. And from the replay, I saw it should have been. But the referee played on. Uh, eventually, Norwich put the ball out so that Buendia can get treatment. But when play restarts, instead of giving the ball back to Norwich, Kalichi Iheanacho, the former Manchester City striker, decides to go on the attack, to which uh, angers uh, the waiting Norwich defence quite a lot. And Christoph Zimmerman takes him out. Um, and in normal circumstances, I think he probably would have got a yellow card because it was right on the edge of the box and wasn't the best of challenges. But then is almost bundled on top of, like it's, you know, lunch time in year 10 in, in, in an angry um, in an angry exchange so, yeah, yeah get, get, got rough at North Austin High School when you played football um, they um, surround him and Todd Cantwell is the one in particular who rages over to him and almost is, looks like he's sort of trying to drag him up by um, by his shirt um, and has really seen red and fortunately Tim Krill charges in there and, and gets Campwell out of that situation he does get booked but then there's a VAR check for whether there should be a red card and Campwell gets away with that one although he did risk a second yellow in uh, the second half as well when he slid into try and block Madison from clearing didn't he so Todd did uh, uh, cut it a bit fine today but um, I think we can we can leave VAR for there and let's talk about the equalising goal which was before half time and the, f- the first half was frantic wasn't it there were a load of chances certainly a lot more in the first than there were in the second but it's a set piece again, isn't it, Connor? And corner comes over um, from Madison. Vardy just able to rise unopposed, really, and head in. And, and, and it actually goes down as a Tim Krull own goal because it went in off his hands. Although that's a bit harsh, really, isn't it? Yeah, Jamie Vardy will certainly see it that way, won't yeah. he, given, the, given his record. Um, I think with this, it's, it's going to come back to the debate that, that people have about zonal marking and whether it's it's better or, or worse than the man marking and I just feel where Norwich are at the moment in, in terms of their team and, and the size of their team if they do decide to go man to man as we kind of saw at Anfield um, with the mismatch between Van Dijk and Lewis that uh, they probably won't have much joy either I think it's just a, a way of where they are but it just it just does feel like it's a, a bit too easy to unpick because if, if you've got the same players marking the same zones then analysts are going to take a look at that and they're going to target certain areas and uh, increasingly it, it feels like teams are, are picking out that near post uh, Southampton certainly did for, for their first goal um, but yeah it's, it's hard to sort of find a remedy for that I suppose because of, of where Norwich are in, in terms of their team they're not blessed with beyond Christoph Zimmerman and, and perhaps Chuck Ben Godfrey in, in that as well great height and, and presence so it, it's difficult but yeah I, I think Tim Crawl will be frustrated with the goal because if he stays on his goal line, it's probably a relatively routine save, if that. Because obviously they, they didn't judge that it was actually on target, so there might not be a save for him to make. But yeah, I think when he's um, in the middle of his six-yard box trying to communicate to his defenders, and it's uh, a wonderful delivery, isn't it, um, by, yeah, it by Madison. And he's, he's got the 
the brilliance of being able to be accurate and uh, have pace on his deliveries as well, which is almost unheard of in, in terms of set pieces. But yeah, re- really frustrating because uh, it comes back to what what could have been. But I don't think Norwich will, will complain with a point looking back at that. Certainly. Um, but yeah, set pieces is, is something they need to find a solution for, but I'm not quite sure man-to-man is, is the answer, if I'm being honest. From true crime to football, Brexit to folklore. For more great podcasts from Archant, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archant. Now, it's difficult. We were looking at one in the second half as well, weren't we, Pad, where Norwich was shaping up for it and Vardy made that same run again across the near post but he just didn't get the ball on that case did he and no Norwich player had gone with him again so I guess it's just the only thing they can do is work on it on the training ground isn't it and and find a way to it because it's clear that opposition analysts like Connor Hintz have seen it now and and they're exposing them Yeah and and the facet that for me is the biggest issue with the whole debate is the blindside run we saw it Burnley Chris Wood blindsides himself in front of Krull and whoever was supposed to be marshalling up front post at Turf Moor and gets above McLean Southampton was the same Shane Long runs round the back of Zimmerman and Godfrey Um, Danny Eng's a bit more formal but he is running in behind Kenny McLean that day there has to be some antidote whether you want to call it a zonal or you want to call it man-to-man or a hybrid of the two but that checks that that ability for an attacking player to basically get the run because it's too late then you can maybe criticise McLean but it's too late when Vardy's gone past his shoulder because as Connor rightly says the quality of these deliveries Madison today Ward Prowse against Southampton the speed that ball is arriving in the box at the near post it's, it's too late we're talking fractions of a second and that's all it takes if you've got good movement from the striker and you've got excellent delivery from the uh, set piece specialist then what they're doing is plainly not good enough so you know Farker's an intelligent bloke and he's got enough good coaches around him they really do need to sit down and work it out and I'll put the point to him after Southampton and he said look it's not a philosophical thing on his part he isn't completely wedded to zonal um, and he will stick with that to the to the end of end of the days Um, he just feels he doesn't have enough tall players to go man to man so that's fine, but that tells me then that he can be a bit more pragmatic in how he's trying to set them up because, again, you know, they're winning that game 1 0, deservedly so. You can imagine you get to half time, you're 1 0 up, they start the second half well as opposed to what they didn't, did do, didn't do against Sheffield United. That crowd get on their backs, um, and then maybe you get a second one, and we could be, as much as we're hailing an excellent 1 1 draw, could have been so different, could have been a three points, and what does that do for Norwich's hopes of staying up? So these are fine margins, and and they need to try and eradicate because it is undoing a lot of the positive stuff they are doing and uh, as we know in the Premier League with the amount of analysis that goes in and then you've got good players and good coaching to execute these plans if they don't address this we'll continue to be talking about their vulnerability on set pieces I think that's that's what's frustrating for me in terms of the zone of marking it's almost that space between the players who are uh, marking the zones and, and the goal line because that's that's where the space in between those two, you can almost call it a half space I suppose if you want, um, where, where players are almost occupying then when the ball comes in they track and, and suddenly you've got a player who's marking one zone with two players around him and in, in terms of winning a header and we're, we're talking about the laws of probability there and it's less likely that they're going to win a header so it, it is concerning but particularly the, the rate at which they're, they're conceding set pieces um, and, and also obviously how, how, they're, how they're conceding from them so 
again, it's, it's difficult to know how to remedy that because in, in one token you can't go man-to-man -man and expect everything to change and be solved because I don't think it's as simple as that. But in terms of zonal, it, it feels at the moment it's, it's a tad too easy to, to unpick and when it does go wrong, it does look messy and I, I can understand the frustrations with it. But it, it is, by design, meant to be a more collective attempt at, at defending set-pieces. But at the moment it doesn't quite seem to be working and I think Paddy's right, I think it's going to end up being a hybrid of the two because uh, I don't think they can persist with that given how many set pieces they've conceded this season. Yep, interesting. Um, there were plenty of other uh, incidents throughout the game, I won't get through them all, but Tim Krull had a bit of an early scare where he spilled a, a Yuri Tielemann shot against uh, the post but managed to claim it before Jamie Vardy uh, charged in. Did make one good uh, low save from Vardy as well after McLean had failed to clear the ball and Vardy seized on it inside the box. Um, a couple of other dodgy moments for Krull in terms of a, a couple of dodgy kicks, a wayward punch and um, the other thing that I was going to mention has just gone from my head but um, there, it wasn't the uh, comf most comfortable of days for, for Krull. Um, second half though, Norwich really did have chances to win it twice Pookie put through one by a lovely free ball from or long ball really I should say from Buendia and one from Godfrey Soyuncu deals with one Pereira the other and the ball just wouldn't sit up for Pookie he had to take them both on his chest and, and the chance went away but then really the, the golden one was right at the death wasn't it um, after Ben Godfrey had already survived a, a horrible moment where he must have had his heart in his mouth where he sort of swung at a Chilwell cross and it nearly ended up dribbling into an empty net but then Marcus Steepman and Onel Hernandez, who both come on late on, they probably should have won it, shouldn't they? For, for, for a, I really can't fathom with Steepman and his shooting because we saw this at the end of the season. If he catches a ball, it's going in. But this season, right from Anfield, I remember he had two or three good chances in the first half in front of the cop. And basically we saw the same then as we've seen at every point in between when he's been in the side and in good shooting positions where Palace springs to mind. That was another game. It just... It, I don't know what it is his technique seems to be off and whether that's because he's not playing regularly he's not in his rhythm but uh, the balls. balls it's the balls is it it's have the they like, changed it's the like balls not, maybe it just suits it, the mitre balls to be fair there possibly, yeah, there probably is a different ball in the championship isn't it compared yeah. to the football league but the Premier League I think we're making too many excuses you it, it Tony yeah, yeah. <laughs> we need to go back to the championship <laughs> he, he might need to go back to the championship to be, to be brutally honest because uh, well, we've had Sorry, that debate Mark. anyway but, uh, but yeah I mean as you say Hernandez throws it back to him nice <laughs> nice and simple that escalated quickly <laughs> well you know, we speak well, the well, truth on it like we speak the truth on it there's a reason why he's not in the 11 but uh, yeah I mean I'd have to see it again but he's no more than about 18 yards out might even be slightly less might be just inside the box central no real pressure and he's literally just passed the ball back to Schmeichel um, as I say it's not the first time we've seen that this season and it is frustrating because they had more than enough chances in that second half particularly the back end of that second half to uh, as I say being greedy but uh, to actually get the win and um, you know we probably that seems to be the underlying theme of Norwich this season they're just in both boxes they're not clinical enough um, and I guess that's playing in the top league against the best players and whereas they'd have had more chances at either end in the championship not in the championship anymore boys you need, you need to be far more ruthless um, and thankfully they do have a man who is quite ruthless 
Absolutely, nine goals. But for me, what was even more frustrating is that Steepman passed up one opportunity to shoot, gave it to Hernandez, who also passed up the opportunity to shoot and gave it back to him, and then he fluffed the shooting opportunity. So that that was a real shame, because imagine if we'd have left the King Power with a victory, that everyone would have been on top of the world, really, wouldn't they? And it really would have felt like a survival push had been sparked. So... From here, dancing on the table, so this music. <laughs> <laughs> you, you would have been. <laughs> um, anything else that caught your eye? Um, you mentioned Byram. I think um, Max Aaron's was better today, yeah. wasn't he? He had a bit of a because he had a sort of a poor second half against Sheffield United last week after his error for their equaliser. But a good response from him this afternoon, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I thought both fullbacks were very good, and, and Aaron's in, in as well. But given how easy, particularly as a young player, it, it could be to, to hide after. Um, last week where he wasn't at his best and to be honest probably hasn't been in the best run of form but I, th- I think a lot of it came because both the fullbacks had more protection and, and that allowed them to defend with a bit more I don't want to use the word enthusiasm but perhaps a, a little more vigour to, to a degree because I think it, there have been some cases this season where they've had to worry about what's in front of them and, and getting exposed and so particularly in those one-on-one situations they, they haven't been able to commit themselves and so attacking players have been able to, to almost commit to the space and, and work openings so I, I think the, the protection of it and, and it's just a, a slight tactical tweak for me in, in, in terms of the wingers now defending actually in wide areas as opposed to coming centrally and um, leaving the fullbacks pretty exposed to, to 2v1s which I think helps but yeah, Max, Max is. We we all know his qualities, and I think we we all know that he, his career will, will probably be at the the top end of of, um, of English football in in the Premier League, and that's not necessarily to say it's, it's going to be for for a title winning side, but but certainly in the Premier League, I think he's got that potential, um, and and it, it was always going to be tough after a, a year of constant winning in the Championship. I think mentally that that's probably quite hard to adjust to. Um, but he's, he's an excellent player and, and there's a reason why Daniel Farker has persisted with him because he does inject energy um, both in attack and defence and of course the, his, his height is an issue but there's, there's not too much he can do about that um, but yeah much much improved and if he can um, continue with those performances and it comes back to everything really it, it comes back to consistency and if both fullbacks can show that consistency then there's no reason why they can't be as important to this Norwich side as, as those positions were last season for me just very quickly, um, and we'll wrap the show in just a minute, but um, th- those two changes, Mario Vrancic was maybe a little bit of a surprise. Uh, do we think we'll see any changes for for the Wolves game? I, I mean, tribal... Paddy, Paddy thinks Steepman's going to come in, I think. <laughs> it sounds like it, yeah. Um, I, I mean, it would seem a little bit harsh on tribal, but Vrancic was pretty good in the first half against Sheffield United, wasn't it? Yeah, I was a bit surprised at that, but I have to be brutally honest, I thought Tribal was decent today. I thought that was his type of game. He wasn't exposed defensively too often. It was one or two scary moments, but um, I think Norwich collectively defended a bit deeper today. Um, and in those type of games, uh, he's he's got a bit more protection around him. And what he does do is, obviously, when he's on the ball, he gets Norwich passing, and we kind of touched on this. They were a bit more progressive in their passing today, albeit they wasn't pressed. I think, for me when they come up against teams because he obviously played alongside Leitner against Newcastle Everton he played that day I think if they're facing teams who aren't going to press them ferociously in a Burnley manner he's perfect in there but I think when there is a press coming on um, he gets a little bit exposed so hat tip to Daniel he obviously would have done his analysis on Leicester probably knew they wasn't going to press such a ferocious manner and maybe it was the day for Tom Tribal Wolves not having seen too much of them I don't know if they are a high pressing team they're certainly a counter attacking team so 
I no, I, I wouldn't necessarily say it'll be the same eleven again, as good as they were today co- collectively and individually. But uh, I'd be surprised if there's too many changes because uh, you know they looked a good cohesion to me to that performance today with and without the ball. Yeah, and one thing that we haven't really touched on yet, of course, is that there is a little injury scare with team of Pookie, isn't there? But um, I saw him in the mix zone afterwards while the news was sort of coming out that he, um, he's he got this potentially fractured toe, isn't he? And he seemed happy, he wasn't you know, limping or anything, he didn't have a uh, protective boot that I noticed that he was wearing. And uh, Daniel didn't seem too worried either, did he, in the, in the presser? No, I mean, he, I mean, they obviously have to ascertain if it is definitely a fracture. I mean, he, they... They seemed to think it was, but then he did it in the first half and he played the full 90, so it clearly wasn't a toe or in an area of his foot that was really causing him enough discomfort to withdraw. And if that is the case, you would think, as Daniel does, maybe can't train for two or three days, let it settle down, and then um, he's certainly not expected him to be unavailable for Wolves. And um, let's face it, if he's not in that side, then that would be a little bit of a worry because I don't know where the goals are coming from um, without Timu Puki in there. Um, maybe Marco Stiepenman yeah. <laughs> he was born to score goals but um, I presume Dennis Rebeni would get the nod to start and it would seem given what we saw at Crawley as well it would seem very unlikely Adam is going to get a Premier League start but, you know Shabeni has got experience isn't he even if it's not at the highest levels yeah the only other alternative I, I could see him doing something funky and putting Hernandez up front or, <laughs> or maybe switching False to nine yeah maybe going to to a free and, and using McLean as a bit of a target man or something along those lines he's, he's always one to pull a, a rabbit out of the hat isn't he so maybe Teddy at the moment <laughs> who knows who knows <laughs> he uh, lined one up in the first half didn't we we were like oh here we go yeah, <laughs> and then it that, disappeared over that's the exactly, yeah he lines up for it and, and you just feel the particularly when you're at Carrow sometimes the whole yeah. ground just sort of goes ah oh, but I, I don't know. I, I think it would be um, pretty damning to, to Dennis Shrebeni if, if he wasn't given a start in that situation. And um, it probably uh, maybe not deserves it in, in terms of the performances because we haven't seen too much of him. But, but certainly in terms of his patience and um, do, I mean the, the way the players uh, took to him after the Everton goal, I think I think sums it up in terms of how they see him. So um, why not? Why not if, if, if that's the case? Absolutely. Right, I think we should probably wrap it there and head home. It's getting late. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Uh, as ever, this is your podcast as much as it is ours, so if you would like to get in touch, then you know where we are on social media or you can email thepinkin at archon.co.uk. And if you're interested in sponsoring the show, then please do get in contact with matt.withers at archon.co.uk. If you haven't already subscribed, then please do, and we're always extremely grateful for any reviews or ratings that you can give us on your various platform uh, podcast platforms. I should say um, and do head over to pinkin.com for all the post-match analysis and reaction uh, six things of course coming up on Monday morning and uh, we will catch up with you very soon ahead of that Wolves game